Good morning, everyone. It's an amazing Tuesday here in Northern California. It is hot, 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 80 degrees where I'm at. Um, I'm sure that uh, our guest is also experiencing some warm weather where he's at. This morning, we have the pleasure of hanging out with Mr. Kevin McCosker, who is the director um, and awesome building official of the city of Las Vegas, who I actually had a pleasure to hang out with and connect with over at EduCode earlier in the year. Um, Kevin has a lot of awesome development in his jurisdiction. As we all know, Las Vegas is always one of the prime location for folks to go on, just kind of let loose a little bit. So today we're going to learn some about Kevin. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Cecilia. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm trying to, I'm uh, staying indoors today. You mentioned it's hot in Northern California, but we are uh, in the hundreds and maybe pushing 110 by the end of the week. So yeah, yeah. it's that time of year here in Vegas, you know, between uh, early June to mid to late September, it's over a hundred pretty consistently. Yeah. So yeah. You know, making I that adjustment. Right on. You know, um, I got to say that when I think uh, 80 degrees, I'm like, oh, man, I'm cooking. Right. And it's <laughs> nothing compared to Las Vegas with 100 degree weather. Um, in fact, I remember, Kevin, when I worked at the city of Oakland, the first time they had their um, heat wave, you know, everyone's preparing. We're getting water bottles for our staff and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, I asked, well, how hot does it get here? Because they're a city by the bay. Right. And they said, oh, mm -hmm. it like climbs to like seven late you know well, high 70s early 80s and i'm like what you know what what do you mean low 80s that's perfect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know when you're not used to those climatic changes then yes it becomes a little impactful yeah. so enough about the weather enough Let's about hear. the weather that's yeah. just small talk <laughs> small talk so kevin you have an interesting story and you know, you and I, um, when we sat down for a little bit over at EduCode, I um, had the opportunity to get to know that a little bit and just kind of um, know a little bit more about how Kevin got started in this industry, what led you to this industry. And I know that you're up and coming on new ventures in, in you know, a short near future. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's get started with, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, how did this journey in the building industry start for you? So how did it start for me? So it, it started initially when I graduated from high school. I got a job working as a hod carrier for a masonry contractor in the foothills of Colorado. So I was in in the foothills of Colorado. I, my, uh, I worked at a, I was telling somebody last night, my very first job, official job was I was a, I was a dishwasher at a restaurant didn't like it very much. I didn't think, you know, it was a lot of hard work. Um, <laughs> and um, I ended up getting a job as a hod carrier for a masonry contractor. And I just loved construction. I like being in the process of building things. Um, so that's kind of my first step into it. I went off to college, um, didn't do so well um, first year. Uh, I, I, I joked that I had a triple major. I had partying, football and girls. And so you know, my GPA, my official GPA showed that. Um, but uh, I ended up dropping out of school after a year and kind of finding myself doing, continuing in construction, doing masonry work. Um, and then my, my dad suggested that I join the Air Force. And so I went in and did munitions. Um, and here's the, so I was deciding, I wanted to go into engineering. I wanted to be an engineer. 
and it was a, there was a very iconic, very nondescript moment that made the decision that changed the course of my life. So I was I was taking a pre-engineering class at UNLV while I was still in the Air Force, and I was talking to one of my friends there at the base. I was saying I don't know if I want to go into mechanical engineering and design cars because I grew up in Detroit and I and I uh, love the auto industry. Cars are a big part of if you're a Detroiter, um, big part of your life. Or do I go into civil engineering and do construction because I think that's I love that as well. So the two things that I really love, um, and this is the most generic statement. Um, my my senior airman friend said, Dave Adams. I'll remember this till the day I die. <laughs> Dave Adams looked at me and says, "Dude, I totally see you wearing a hard hat." <laughs> and that's when I decided he's right. I should go into I should go into <laughs> civil engineering. So after I got out of um, the Air Force, I had about a year left of college. I finished that up. I got a job working for a civil engineering firm. Um, my wife and I were um, in two different cities, and I wanted to come back to Las Vegas. And so I landed a job at the city, I'm sorry, at the county building department at the time. Um, and it was great, but I really wasn't using my engineering degree. I didn't really like the job that much at the time. Um, and but my wife was pregnant with my son and i thought to myself this isn't a great time to walk away from a job my pregnant wife i have health insurance let's just do the job and do the job and then we'll, we'll worry about something down the road right so right. nine months later my son's born and i'm like starting to think about well you know i should transition to a, a line of work that i might enjoy more and just as soon as i kind of started working on that process my wife ended up getting pregnant with my daughter <laughs> so another another nine months delay in in um, in my potential uh, career change, which I think maybe it has to do with fate. Maybe it's some, you know a greater a greater power in place there that said this is where you're meant to be. Um, a couple months into after that after that point in time, I moved over to plan review, and I just loved that part of the job. I really loved it. Um, I got to use some of my engineering background, um, and then so that's that's really kind of solidified me as staying in the building and safety world for 30 years now. Is is that you know I have to thank my children yeah, <laughs> for for their great timing because otherwise they'd <laughs> be doing something completely different and not here with you and all the other code enforcement right. folks across the country. That's so true. You know, they were like, "Sorry, Dad, we have another plan for you." Yeah. Uh, and this is the plan. And, you know, I, I think um, I think there's something to be said about that. Going back to what your friend said, you know, I can see you in a hard hat, you know, and that yeah. led you towards, you know, um, civil engineering and kind of going into um, a, a municipality, if you will. And then obviously having the sweet surprise of your daughter also yeah. joining the family. Um, is really great to hear that, you know, those were kind of some of the the main things that helped you land where you are today, right. um, but you've grown significantly since you started. So once you once you started with the county of Las Vegas, or is it was it Las Vegas County or it's Clark County, Clark, Clark County, County, Clark County, Nevada. Clark County, great people. I had the opportunity to hang out with them last year. So how did how did it start there? So you started plan review there. How was your journey there? So I started off, actually started off in the field um, okay. doing inspections. 
um, and helping inspectors on, on complex projects and whatnot. But it, but like I said, it was really the end. It was really the plan review process. And having an engineering background, I found a nice niche of doing structural plan review. So that's kind of I really opened up my. It kind of really opened up my because I was that. Sh I know mean, people that know me now will be shocked to hear this, um, but I was that shy engineer that. Uh, looked at my shoes when I talked to you instead of your shoes. You know, the introverted engineer looks at his shoes and extroverted and looks at your shoes. But I was really kind of shy and I was kind of young at the time and I'm dealing with big projects in the Clark County and Las Vegas Strip and I'm like, I was kind of shy and like it broke me out of my shell. So it, it was a great opportunity for me to, to, to do one of the things that you should always probably try to pursue in life is work outside your comfort level. Because there's no right. growth inside the comfort zone. You have to like press outside that comfort zone for you to have some growth. Right, right. And you know, um, when you told me that, Kevin, um, I was like, what? You were you were shy? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I would have I never guessed because you have such a great personality. You, you know, you're very outgoing and you're very amicable and you make yourself available to those that, you know, perhaps want to get to know you a little bit more and or maybe pick your brain. And so for me, you know, when you were saying, oh, yeah, no, that wasn't me before. What kind of helped you come out of that show in the industry? Because I know that sometimes when we start, we're, we're very bashful, if you will. We, we want to do a great job. But we also don't, we, we have kind of a fear of, oh man, what if I screw up? What if I don't do something right? You know, I, I got to be better yeah. than the next man or woman. What's going on? You know, so you, you tend to be a little little hard on yourself, which tends to lead to being a little bit more reserved. So what kind of help you come out of that show? So, yeah, so you're absolutely right. All those things, all those like insecurities that we have about ourselves is, is challenging, especially when you're younger in a new career field. And, you know, you, you, um, you have to overcome those. You have to slowly build some confidence and some and some um, ability to deal with that type of situation from internalize that. You know, so you can you can externalize the great customer service that you you're, you're going to provide at some point. So um, the the um, my boss at the time um, he made me do with a couple of projects that had a lot of situations where customers were coming in every day and doing and doing over-the-counter plan reviews. So I was meeting with customers all the time at the front desk and then challenging me on uh, approving something or uh, something that came back in that we would disapprove. And then so I would have to deal with those type of applications with a person face-to-face -face with me. And sometimes it was a runner from a construction company and sometimes it was the uh, engineer on a big project on the strip. So really it just, it made me, it gave me that opportunity. Um, and also there was an opportunity for me to look at and be a part of the Structural Engineers Association of Southern Nevada, which was a, you know, a tr trade organization of the structural engineers as, as a plan reviewer. And I was in, in that group for a while. And so my boss at the time had encouraged some support for that. So getting outside, not just work, but getting outside in the agencies and the industry organizations that you can come, you can work together, whether it's internal, just building department folks or people from the outside. And that's kind of where I learned how to kind of develop my outgoing personality is, is through working with, with outside industry agencies. Yeah, that's so true. And you know, um, 
there is something to be said about the folks that you come across as you're meeting them when you are growing in that way. Uh, I, I know I remember when I um, when I first started, I was very shy, just much like much like you, Kevin. I was very introvert. I was. Like, I find oh, that hard to believe as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it well, it, it took so it took some time, you know. And I always say that the hardest. The hardest um, thing to say oftentimes is, hi, my name is, right? <laughs> and then it just goes from there. Right. Tell me a little bit about you. Where do you work? What do you do, et cetera? I think what you said is super vital. And I like that you said that you had support for it. So networking, getting out, um, being a part of groups, other organizations that play you know, an important role in what we do is super essential. Because not only are you showing that supportive community factor right to those particular industries those groups those associations but you're also gaining a little bit of knowledge while working with them as far as what their needs are you're getting to know who the players are the stakeholders you're developing those relationships with them and you're understanding yourselves a little bit better and in addition to that you then go back to your municipality and you're able to kind of have a broader understanding of okay this is why things kind of connect the way that they do um, and you know Kevin oftentimes as you're going through that you may not realize it but there could be someone in the background saying man Kevin is so good at that right he, he goes right in he gets that in, you know information he gets going with the conversation I want to be just like Kevin um, and I know for me that's how it was there was always someone in our industry that I that I looked at and I was like how do they just do it how do they just jump into a conversation and kind of get it done um, but it goes back to that, you know, is it being able to find your your comfort zone, if you will, once you're in that, that zone of, you know, um, your knowledge base, your skill set, and then developing that. Um, we have some comments in the audience saying, Kevin Shy, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I see that. I see that. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I always say that that's a great opportunity for you to learn what your partners in the development process need or want from from the from the jurisdiction i think it's very valuable to go out and it's even with other jurisdictions I and mean, we have a great network in southern nevada with the southern nevada building officials group and our southern nevada icc chapter is just having that camaraderie and having the understanding and working together both with other jurisdictions and understanding how we're all doing things so we're not that far off um because i'm sure california is very similar um you know the, the building official in the next city over um you know they probably tell their you know they, they say well i could do it over in oakland but i can't do it here in san francisco um i can do it in vegas but i can't do it in henderson so um, right. i'm sure they the contractors in design professionals say that but then you understand well that under why they why they've made that call or maybe that's not even an accurate statement but it's uh it's a it's 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 great to have that communication and i i remember because i'm going to date myself because you know it was the um, the Lion King, the circle of life. We're all part of that big circle. And our circle of life in, in, in this industry is much bigger than just the person at the front desk getting the permit, getting the plan submitted and getting the permit and calling for inspection. It's a much bigger role. There's contractors and subcontractors and design professionals and a lot of other people that play a vital role in the whole process of going from you know entitlement to CFO and there's a whole bunch of people involved in that and it's just amazing um how it all comes together and you know we do have to try to find that win-win scenario um with everybody and make sure that we have good communication and we get you know obviously we want code compliance um to
to ensure a safe built environment, but we also want to do it in a win-win environment so our client understands um, why they're doing what they're doing and they buy in. And I think that's important. Absolutely, absolutely. Being solution oriented, right? Um, oh, yeah. And and I know that uh, in watching you, um, you know, throughout kind of what I see you share and see some of Las Vegas share what's going on in your municipality. I always think like that's great, you know, that things kind of come together. Las Vegas is quite a feat, right? You see a lot happening in Las Vegas, a lot, a lot. Um, Clark County, you guys have your hands full. Um, when I was there, I know that I kind of got a little, a little bit of a walkthrough with Sam Palmer. And I was just so impressed. I'm like, county's doing this, the city's doing that. You guys have a lot of great projects that are constantly um, coming up in your municipality. So outside of just working and leading and being the director and the awesome building official that you are and all that good stuff, um, you also are involved with EDUCODE. Right, you help support that training opportunity every year. How did how did you first come involved with that particular uh, group of training individuals? Wow, awesome! By the way, <laughs> yes. So so quick plug. So Educode every year, late February, early March. The Southern Nevada chapter hosted. If you're not aware of it, um, you know you need to come out to Vegas for a couple of days or for a week. Great code education, great venue. We have some activities after class, bowling, networking. Uh, we didn't play pickleball. We played um, uh, the bags game. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Bags. Uh, yeah. yeah. And we played uh, giant pong with a big, huge beach ball and huge baskets. So we have some we have some good times and some fun after class, um, some social events. So. Please come out to uh, Educode if you can. But I, so I remember getting involved because I was with the Structural Engineers Association. Um, I was um, on the ver when, like in the early days of Educode when we had like a sixty or seventy thousand dollar budget for Educode for all um, the speakers and the food and everything, um, and we had maybe a couple hundred attendees. Um, and so. Um, like I said, it was it started out on a real small level and it built itself up over the first 25 years. Um, so I was super involved in it when I was with the Structural Engineers Association and coordinating the classes on the structural tract. Um, and then I kind of stepped away for a few years. My family was growing and I was involved with them. And, you know, I was attending classes. I was more of an attendee. And then probably like mid 2010, 12, after the recession, I got super involved with the chapter and the and the Educode process. So I became the I became the treasurer of the SNICC chapter um, in 2015, and did that for about five years. Uh, and so that's a lot of that. Um, it's it's a very big organization from a from a fiscal perspective because Educode's grown grown to you know. Uh, maybe six or seven hundred thousand dollars in costs to run that run that program. Um, so you know the treasurer has to dole out a lot of money, collect a lot of money, but also spend a lot of money in working through that. So I got to work with Al Alice quite a bit, who's the Educo director with SNICC. And so through that, I well, like I said, I was the uh, treasurer of the chapter. It was another one of those scenarios, right? Like where someone says they we need a we need a treasurer. We think Kevin would be good at it, and I'm like. 
yeah, I'm not sure. My, you know, that's where <laughs> even at, you know, 49 years old, there was this like little creep of insecurity reaching in. Like, can you really do it? I know maybe you can't do it, man. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should say, but again, I think it's, it's the opportunity to step outside your, your, your shell a little bit, be a little bit more vulnerable. Um, and just accept the fact that you're going to make a few mistakes here and there, but you'll recover from them. You know, you got, and, and like I said, I, I, I'm hopefully I'm pursuing, pursuing the fact that it's even as confident and, and outgoing as I am, everybody has those insecurities and we just have to hopefully um, support each other um, and, and help each other out grow um, and, and doing those things outside your normal work and doing a little bit extra is going to make you, make you a better person in the long run and, and give you great opportunities that you'll never think you had. Had I not, had I not volunteered to be the treasurer of the chapter, I would not have gotten invo involved at the level I did with Educode and we probably would not have met. So it was that's, a great experience true. for me. That's true. So I, great I, outcomes. I'm grateful that you did that because <laughs> <laughs> we got to meet and I got to pick your brain and, um, you know, going back to that, going back to the networking component, Kevin and I connected also over LinkedIn, which, you know, for those of you that are looking to expand your your networking base, your village of, of professionals that, you know, um, end up turning into great, you know, friendships, you know, I, I highly recommend connect with those folks, get out there, you know, even if it's a, hey, hello, how you doing? Where do you work? What do you do? You know, they might have some information that might be useful to you or, you know, they might be of support to you. Um, in the case of Kevin, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to be there. He said, I'm going to be there too. I said, I'm going to spot you. If you spot me, you say hi. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's yeah. right. We did, we did. I remember that now. We, 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 were, we were connected on LinkedIn before we yeah. met formally. And we and made some comment about Educode coming up. And, and then we said, <laughs> well, we're going to catch up to each other. And we saw each other. We were both busy with something, but we, we did eventually okay. catch up later that day. So, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, here's here's the, here's the thing about breaking out of your shell. So um, good, bad, or otherwise, I started, I remember Educode one morning. I started at the registration desk at 730, ran into an old friend, guy I used to work with. And I was I was heading out of that registration room. And I, it's a typical ballroom in a, in a hotel casino. Um, I don't know, maybe 50, 75 feet long build room. And I literally stopped and talked to people for three hours trying to get to the bathroom. <laughs> it was on the <laughs> other side of the other side of the, the, the room. And it was three hours. Someone stopped and said, hey, how's it going? How's it? So, you know, good, bad, like I said, good, bad, or otherwise, it was an opportunity to network and see people I haven't seen in a while and, and share some life stories and, and see how things are going in their life too. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, like I said, sometimes it's a little bit of a curse when when the bladder's calling, if you want. But <laughs> but uh, you know, it's good always to have friends yeah. and have people you can count on because not you don't know everything. Because that's one of the nice yeah. things about the networking process is you don't know everything, and you always have the opportunity to, especially when you know somebody. Like I call somebody and they pick up because they know it's me, right? Or they'll return the call. We've met, we've contacted, we've connected, and there's a more of it's more than a, just a business relationship. There's a personal relationship and people are more, more apt to help their friends and help their associates that they've had a personal connection with than the phone, cold phone call that you get. And so right. I think that's, that's, that's very valuable. I've made those phone calls across the country um, as an example was one when we first started doing short-term rentals 
I, I called the guy that I knew in, in the state of New Jersey because I was thinking to myself, you know, I saw, I watched the, the Jersey shore, right. And they had all these <laughs> summer rentals. Right. And I'm right. thinking, well, how do, is there anything from a co-perspective that I should be dealing with now that we're moving towards the Airbnbs, uh, you know, short-term rental. And so I just picked someone's brain to find out, am I doing it right? Am I not, am I not thinking everything through? So that's the great thing about this networking and, and like being at Educode or, or, or even outside your own organization, um, you, you have the opportunity to talk to people and how they're doing things. And so you're not too far off of the, the target zone. I think that's where, that's where we, we all want to be in a level of consistency with each other and doing the same, pretty much the same thing um, across right. the country. Yeah, that's so true. You know, using those resources as they come over, it's so it's so handy. It comes in handy, right? Because most of the time we're all so busy already, right? With this project and that project that having to tackle a new uh, enforceable program, if you will, if somebody already is doing it, why not reach out to them? And, and you said it just right. You know, these are people that you meet as part of uh, maybe training opportunities that become part of your network base but that extra bonus is that friendship that everlasting friendship that you know you have you can pick up the phone as you said kevin and call and say hey you know i i got a situation what do you think or you know just coming back into the conferencing component of it just really being able to see everybody is so awesome so i know EduCode is one of the largest attended uh, training opportunities um, and a lot of folks, when they hear about EduCode, they're like, oh my gosh, I want to go to EduCode at least once and experience it. And the cool it's thing It's a bucket list for every yes. code official out there. It's a bucket list. Yes. If you haven't been there, you got to put it on your bucket list. Make it before you go. Right. Make it happen. Show up to EduCode. Get to know the great folks that are all attending from everywhere. National, right? Um, and the cool thing about EduCode is that you have your different tracks. You you have fire, you have building, you have uh, MEPs, you know, the trades, so you have code enforcement, you have leadership. So there's a little bit of something for everybody and where they're at in their, in their professional growth. If you can't find a class at EduCode that gets you excited, then you're not looking hard enough because there's, yeah. there are 15 to 16 tracks five days a week so what you know i'm not a math major anymore but that sounds like about 75 to 80 classes um a lot of them are, are taught by um industry professionals and a lot of them are taught by the international code council so you get a really good cross-section of ideas and, and the, the nice thing about the education and even if you think you know a topic well it reinforces your, your, your ideas and your concepts. And it, sometimes it makes you think maybe, you know, makes you think outside your box. Like maybe, maybe there's another way to look at this. And I think right. that's another great thing about the education process um, is it, it helps you think about things that are not necessarily inside the norm. You read the code section, oh, that applies pretty, that's, that seems pretty straightforward. Then, right. then all of a sudden you go to class and someone brings something up and you're like, well, I don't ever thought about it that way. And right. so I think there's there's a there's a great opportunity for you to think um, critically, even if it's a subject that you think you know pretty well. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, as, as a trainer myself, um, that's one of the things that I always like to enjoy. If I'm done with my presentation, I'm like, all right, where can I sneak into? Because I need to go, I need to go check on maybe plumbing or mechanical. Um, fire uh, classes have been one of my biggest things. I want to go into the fire code classes to just kind of 
refresh my mind. Um, I always uh, tease with uh, Lisette Chagola. I say, you know what, Liz, I the trainer needs some training too sometimes, you know. Yes. <laughs> and she, and she yeah. laughed and goes, yes, I know, Cece. And I said, so, you know, you're right, Kevin. You, it, it is hard to miss a class that you're looking for because there are so many to choose from. Again, there's something for everyone. So as Kevin said, if you have not, not made it to, to Educode yet, get that on your list. Make sure you check it off. Um, it's a great experience for sure. And you know, one thing that I really do appreciate, Kevin, is that you guys add that code enforcement track, which, you know, for, for me as um, someone who oversees code enforcement as well, it's something that's super important, right? There's there's code compliance and there's code enforcement. And, and um, sometimes both of them get a little intermixed, you know, um, code enforcement when it comes to the building code and learning, you know, uh, inspections from the ground up from foundation to final. That's one thing, understanding the basics of inspection, but code enforcement and the compliance factor of perhaps standard housing or rental inspection, that's a completely different beast. And the fact that you guys partner with ACE and with ICC to be able to provide that code enforcement track for code officers out there, that are enforcing rental housing, that are enforcing enforcing the International Property Maintenance Code, that are trying to build their programs up, that are you know trying to learn how to, to get those tools of the trade, if you will, so that they can do exactly what we've been talking about. It's not necessarily starting from scratch, but really learning from what's out there, right? Getting, getting a little bit of that knowledge base that helps them continue to be successful in their departments. Um, when and, they've been a, and ACE has been a great partner with us in the code enforcement education because it's it's really, you know, this is really kind of a specialized area. Like there's a lot of code education about the construction process, the plumbing code, you said the fire code. There's a lot of that education that's available, but there isn't a whole lot really there for code enforcement folks. And it's really kind of one of those... They, I always tell the, the people that the building departments are the, the silent defenders of public safety, but they're, <laughs> the, the code enforcement people are even more silent than the building inspectors and those folks because they're really underappreciated and and they, they really need support. And they and they need education like everybody else. The rules change. Um, the concepts of, of life safety, um, levels of protection change every, every few years in the code development process. And so we all need that education. And again, we need that internalized support from each other that we get from going to classes that from EDUCODE and through ACE and through other organizations. So I think it really does help. And, and they've been, like I said, they've been a great partner um, in, the, in the EDUCODE process. So we're really, very happy to have them. Absolutely. Shout out to ACE for doing such an amazing job in, in EDUCODE and providing that training. I know that that is something that we appreciate across the board. So yes. um, when COVID hit, Kevin, you know, a lot of our training was kind of up in the air. No one really knew how to kind of maneuver through what was happening. And, you know, what do we do now? How is it that we proceed with trying to find an avenue to continue doing what we do in operations, as well as what we do as far as training and the training opportunities. So we'll start with the first part, operations. How was how was uh, City of Las Vegas operating during the time of COVID? What things, um, what lessons were learned? What what innovative ideas perhaps did you guys adopt? How did that work for you guys? So interestingly enough, um, in twenty was it twenty twenty? Yeah, twenty twenty when when uh, when the COVID crisis hit our country, um, we were at EDUCODE. We were at EDUCODE 2020. And so we were 
you know, the first couple of days of EDUCODE, oh, coronavirus, I want to order Corona beer. I mean, it was really kind of lighthearted. And then it was like that Wednesday of, I think it was that Wednesday of EDUCODE where um, we got the news that the NBA was shutting down, uh, temporarily shutting down, they're suspending the season. And we're like, okay, this is really serious now because this is, you know, the NBA is going to shut down the season. Um, and so there was a lot of people then starting to leave EDUCODE and it was, yeah, I see a comment that was a very spooky time. Yeah, but we weren't sure what to do. Like, do we do we stop EDUCODE? Do we do we continue the process? Do we continue through? There was no, there was nothing that was really coming out. It wasn't until that Sunday that our governor came out and said that, you know, we're shutting the city down, only essential employees. Um, it wasn't until a couple of days later that construction was deemed essential. He had a list of um, essential duties and functions that were going to exist, but then construction was considered one of them. So for us, it was a lot of trying to do our job without actually seeing customers, um, you know, and that was a bit of more of a challenge. And then the logistics of masks and hand sanitizer and, and you know, minimizing, you know, social distancing, minimizing contact by social distancing and what that looks like and how do we, you know, the meetings that we had in our bullpen every morning, that had to go away, right? Um, we started sending people to work from home remotely. Luckily, we did electronic plan review about six months before wow. um, yeah. the, uh, the pandemic. So we were already six months into um, electronic plan review. So we were in pretty good shape. But again, it was, it was, it was a part of the stuff stuff that we were doing um, was maneuvering towards a new a new world, um, and I think part of the part of the issue was is that we had to make this adjustment. And I'm really really impressed um, on how like the entire industry, um, from soup to nuts, like from the, the contracting world to the design world to the enforcement um, perspective. Everybody made those adjustments pretty quick, especially, you know, government gets a bad rap for, you know, not being able to adjust and move quickly on, on certain issues. But I mean, we were, we were, we closed the building down. We started, um, you know, getting people off the front counter. We started doing electronic plan review. Um, we, we moved in between, we were planning on hoping to do a video inspection program. Um, sometime that fiscal year. So we were running into the end of that fiscal year. We were thinking, okay, by July 1st, we want to start a video inspection program. And we started basically from a couple of scratches on a, a couple of notes on a whiteboard in my office about video inspection and how we're going to do it to, we called the building official in Tucson, again, because I network with people. Um, right, and I also right. called Valerie in North Las Vegas, who's, who was working on it. And they gave us some advice and, and, and lo and behold, we had video inspection up and running within two weeks on, it's kind of a strange thing to say, but we did on April 1st, April Fool's Day, we had video inspection like in two weeks of, of in the pandemic um, because we needed it. And so, you know, again, I, th I think a lot, of, a lot of building departments maneuvered their way to provide the level of service that they need to do for their customers in a very short amount of time that was unprecedented in the previous right. 28 years of my career. Never saw that type of change that happened fast. Other departments start picking up electronic plan review. I was taking a lot of phone calls about how you do electronic plan review, what are you doing, what, is, what software are you using, um, how much does it cost, what do you have to do? I mean, a lot of a lot of folks have reached out because they knew we were doing it. 
So it's, you know, it's, it was again, a lot of collaboration that went on with other partners, but it was, it was a scary time. I mean, it was really scary. There's a lot of unknowns, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, sending an inspector home because the contractor called and said, Hey, my, my guy that was on walking a final with your guy yesterday, uh, tested positive for COVID. So right. we call, if we call up our inspectors, say, Hey, the guy you would be walking to final with yesterday, he tested positive for COVID. So you should take the rest of the day off and go get tested yeah. tomorrow morning. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of things we had to adjust and really kind of change our mindset on how we're doing business. But I think we're better and stronger for it. And we've, we've incorporated a lot of these tools, especially we were talking about training. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we were, I think video inspect or video training and uh, online training courses were kind of a niche market. They were used a little bit, but this really showed that we can do this. Um, it was, it is successful. It is a methodology that we can get training um, through a video process. Um, thank God we have the internet. I mean, I don't know what we would have done without the yeah, internet, that, that um, is but, but uh, it probably would have been a TV set, you know, an old CRT TV set in the <laughs> conference room with a VH, VHS had it happened That's right, you know, 30 right. or 40 years before that. But um, I mean, it's just, it, we pivoted to things that, and we're going to still use these tools, the WebEx and the uh, mm -hmm. Zoom meetings and things like that, where they're, where they're, where they have value. But I think, you know, we, we were able to pivot to a lot of things and, and still implement a lot of those moving forward. I mean, I think almost everybody now, at least yeah. locally in, in Las Vegas and Southern Nevada, is under some electronic plan review processes um, where that would not have happened. You know, they would have just built it in slowly and methodically. But as uh, um, the mother of event, uh, you know, mother of invention came in, came calling, and we just stepped in and started doing it. So um, yeah. hats off to everybody in our industry who did it. I mean. It was it was a difficult time, but we all managed to get through it together. That's so true, and you know it, that's exactly it, Kevin. I think for a long time, many municipalities nationwide were perhaps thinking about, okay, what is it going to look like if we move into an electronic platform, doing plan review electronically, inspections. Um, we started experimenting most most municipalities, right, with iPads and programs that interface with your data systems back in the office. But no one ever really foresaw that there would come a day where we would have to do it like yesterday, right? Because right. it needed to get done right away or things kind of stop. And, um, and you're right, there is something to be said about the expectations that a, a building department has in the public eye. Either you're moving too fast or too slow, too fast with enforcement, too slow with plan review or approvals or permit issuance or you know, any of those things. Um, and when you look at you know what we did in such a short period of time from, all right, we're hitting the Zoom and the WebEx and the Teams and we're having these meetings and we're having virtual inspections and now we're training our staff with virtual inspections and how you know to get that done from the field and results from the field and even interfacing in, at the city of Oakland where I was at during the time of COVID, we had our building inspectors communicate with our code inspectors and they jointly do a joint virtual inspection so that we could confirm that, yes, those are the violations we called out. Yes, that's right. That's what's on the plan. So let's go ahead and move the project forward. So it was a lot of coming out of your comfort zone because we do have a lot of uh, folks in our industry that are not so tech savvy. And I'll throw myself under the bus. I myself. <laughs> 
had to learn right quick okay how do I do this and that <laughs> and it was a little nerve-wracking because you're like oh no you know how am I gonna get this program down but you get it down you know you get it done um, the other thing too is you know connecting like you said all right who's doing what let's have a quick meeting with other municipalities you know across the state to see who's who's set up how it's working what perhaps parameters or or processes they adopted um, in the code enforcement world you know are we going in to do substandard inspections or rental inspections are we not what's the protocol there um, what what is true is that from this event we learned that we are very much resilient but we are also all chameleons we can definitely adapt we can change and make sure that we get things done so that we can continue to operate successfully so it definitely set the tone for hey we can do just about anything right um absolutely i mean it's it was it was amazing transition that yeah. happened within things that would have taken years to develop i mean we put it on our we put it video inspection was something that we, once we get electronic plan review up and stable and mobile and we're doing we feel very comfortable with it then we'll move to video inspections and we were saying, okay we got to get to it by the end of the year we got to get and, and then bam we had yeah. a pandemic and we got to do it now and right. so a lot of it is you know it was like i said before it was the, you know it was the pandemic that started it but it really as you said we all became chameleons right this is yeah. amazing the industry moved the way it did and it, it yeah. was really helpful and and luckily we have in a lot of cases we have really good partners as our customers and our citizens who mm -hmm. who understand that you know during that process that we were trying to do everything we could do to provide a level of service that they expect and our our citizens and our elected officials expect under very difficult circumstances and so right. i mean we we had people that were there to help us as well i mean we had needed extra masks or sanitizer you know on the job sites they kept things clean um they had you know washing stations on job sites and so the things that they wouldn't normally have provided for you know the people that come up onto the job site were provided and it was really it was really a great uh, great great process because we had a, a couple of projects we were trying to finish before the pandemic, we had Circa, I want to be able to plug here, the City of Las Vegas project, is Circa Hotel and Casino, the first new hotel casino on Fremont Street since like the mid-70s from when I was, wow. the, was, I was just a kid, like a 10-year-old wow. boy. Um, um, it tells you how old the last development <laughs> was on that, on, on the, on the Fremont Street. But they were, they were, they opened the casino in October of 2020, so they were in that March, March to August, October timeframe where they were trying to finish that project. They had a deadline to finish before they really wanted to finish and have it open by by New Year's because that's a big celebratory event in Las Vegas. But they really were pushing hard um, to get that finished, and then the pandemic hit, and so right. they pushed it as well to get the things done that they needed to finish. But uh, again, it was a, it was pretty amazing how we all worked together to accomplish what we needed to accomplish. And, um, I'm kind of glad I don't have to walk job sites with a mask anymore. And that's a, that's a nice <laughs> thing, especially in this heat. But um, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more because I think I I was probably one of those initial ones that had a hard time with the mask as well. Um, 
it, it almost felt a little claustrophobic for me. Like, ah, I can't breathe. I have this thing covering my face. And then after a while, you know, you start thinking, oh, okay, it's good. You know, in the code enforcement world, there are so many things that we walk into, Kevin, as far as uh, substandard housing that affects you in a variety of different ways that you don't necessarily think about because it, it's not something that comes to your mind quickly. For example, asbestos, lead, mold, any other noxious fumes that you might be walking into. I think that's that's one of the things that the mask wearing actually helped us with. It was a reminder of stay safe, right? Even even outside of a pandemic, even outside of COVID or anything like that, just really being cognizant of what you're walking into so that you can stay healthy when you're conducting your inspections. So there, there are definitely some pros and cons for sure. Yeah that came at a at a um a quick pace if you will for change so with educode um i was at educode i was one of the presenters during the 2020 um, educode conference and i do remember um the news you know showcase we were actually bowling and we were watching the news and they were talking about oh my gosh there's this pandemic there's COVID, and i didn't realize the magnitude of that until exactly what you said, oh, they're canceling the NBA, they're canceling a bunch of other pre-planned events that were happening in Las Vegas. And then when I got to the airport the next day, I missed my flight. Oh no. Because I couldn't get through TSA because everyone was trying to exit Vegas. Because <laughs> oh. everyone was kind of in a panic, you know, oh my gosh, we gotta leave, we gotta go, everything's canceling. And so I remember having to rent a car and drive 10 hours to get home. Oh. But it was, a, it was a good ride. It was adventurous, if you will. But, you know, um, and then after that, then it became real. It was like, oh, my goodness. So moving forward from that, EduCode did not necessarily stop. You guys came back strong. You provided a virtual platform that was also well attended. So yes. how did the planning for that work out? So, you know, it's interesting because the 21 EduCode, you know, as, a, as an organization, we had to decide whether or not we were going to continue with EduCode. Um, and we knew that the property wasn't going to allow us to, to we weren't going to be able to access the property. Um, you know, we have to make, because it's such a big organization and it's a big group, we really have to kind of pre-plan uh, ahead of time. And it started to look like we were going to be able to go to a live event, but we had already committed um, to go virtual and then of course the next wave came in and it was kind of solidified that we're going to go 100% virtual in 21. Um, yeah, great attendance. Um, you know, I think there's there was a definitely an opportunity there and a lot of learn lessons learned. Um, we had a lot of good partners um, with the jurisdictions and, and people that volunteered to help and the trainers and I mean it was really how do we make this work? How do we provide that that excellent education that people expect? in a virtual environment. Um, and so we, we pulled it off and the next year comes around. So 2022 comes around and we're like, okay, well, things are open. We can, we can definitely uh, do a live version, but then there was, you know, a customer demand and a customer support. There's still people that have some concerns about COVID. Um, there's still folks that have travel restrictions. There's still folks that have budgeting restrictions because as I'm sure everyone went through, um, when COVID hit, we all took a hit on the budget. Um, and, and hopefully everyone's restored now to a more stable budgeting scenario. But it, it, people lost opportunities to travel and train. Um, and so we did the, 
We did the both the virtual and the live events. It was really well attended. I mean, we we definitely had some some hiccups with trying to do a live class and live stream it at the same time. Um, there's definitely some logistics in there that we learned about. Um, thank everybody who went on, did the stuff online, and and you know <laughs> understood that some of the parameters were a little bit more difficult um, to deal with. I mean, when you're not in the class and there's people asking questions, it's hard to get those communicated to the people online and and making sure that the people online are getting their questions asked in a timely manner so that um, they, they, that come, comes through. But so we're going to do another, I think, I believe what I'm, what I'm hearing right now is the 2023 version. We'll have a, we'll have a uh, virtual component as well um, and a live component, but we're going to separate the two so we don't try to mix the virtual with the live event. So the virtual folks will all be in uh, under a virtual um, platform and a live folks will stay in the live platform and we'll try not to mix those two because it was a little bit it was a little bit challenging um, a little bit more management and leadership to take on um, that from a from an organizational perspective but we'll definitely again we're just gonna we're gonna Camille I will say that as you said we're gonna chameleon this thing yeah. until we get it perfect <laughs> and we'll just keep adjusting adapting and overcoming and I think this is probably where it's gonna land eventually is we'll have the live component and and the virtual component for those that uh, they can't make it out to Vegas and enjoy our great city and our great events at Educode, the bowling, you mentioned the bowling night yep. and networking night and, yep. and some of the other things that we can do um, outside. And, and if you don't, if you don't want to go to those parties with us, there's a whole Las Vegas uh, entertainment yeah. venue for people go to the hockey game or they go to the, the strip or they go downtown, they can go see a show. There's a lot of things for folks to do outside um, the educational venue of Educode either stay in the hotel with us and, and have some fun playing ping pong or volleyball or or um, bags or end up bowling. If you can bowl over 100, um, you're going to be one of the superstars at the Educode bowling event. So just throw that out there. You don't have to be you don't have to be bowling 200 to do a, do a good job or, or or score well. But everybody I don't know that anyone doesn't have fun at bowling the bowling night. That is that is a blast yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, if, and who doesn't like pizza, beer, and bowling? I mean, if I mean that's a perfect mix, right? That's that's uh, that's a perfect setup for an awesome networking uh, opportunity. If I yeah. do say so myself, you know, everyone's yes. real happy, having a great old time, and you know, and, just enjoying. and I do want to give a shout out to our friends at Four Leaf. I believe Thanks. they were one of the promoters of our bowling night, and everybody sure. went home with a Educode Four Leaf T-shirt. Yeah. Um, I didn't wear it. I didn't think about wearing it. I didn't think we were going to bring that up, but I might have worn oh, that's it okay. today. That's okay. You uh, know, next time, uh, I, next time. <laughs> I expect you to have four-leaf shirt on you. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, thanks for four-leaf um, for that support yeah. of, of the bowling night. So, it, it was lots of fun. Yeah, anytime. It, it's always our pleasure. We really enjoy being amongst our fellow colleagues and, you know, um, not only supporting, you know, our fellow colleagues and municipalities and the services that we provide, but also establishing those relationships. You know, that's always really important for us. So uh, we had a blast to being there with everybody. Um, Kevin, you have a great journey ahead of you. Um, before we wrap up, can we talk a little bit about that? What's sure. in store for you? <laughs> so, so um, I am getting closer to the end of my term, I guess, is you know, my 30 years of public service and, and retirements looming um, 
later this year, probably November. Um, so that's that looks like I'll be moving into a new chapter in my life. Not a hundred percent sure what it's going to end up being, but I know I'm not going to just. I don't fish and I don't golf. So I'm. I love what I do. I have a passion for the built environment. I have a passion to helping people. Um, I love what I do. Uh, I believe that there's a number of folks that believe in me enough to, to ask if I would like to come to work if, I, if I'm if i not going to go fishing and play golf. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to end up in some role in Las Vegas. I'll stay, be staying in Las Vegas, um, but definitely looking towards, you know, something on the private side of helping people get permits, inspections, get code enforce, um, code compliance and certificates of occupancy and, and making sure that people are safe in buildings in Las Vegas, but do it in a, in a different, different, uh, different venue and for a different platform. So I'm really excited for the future. It's, it's hard to believe it's been 30 years already. It seemed like they say, uh, you know, if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And you know, there's only been, there's only been one or two days I've actually had to work. I've loved it so much <laughs> that, that, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's just amazing that it's been this, it's been this long but it doesn't really feel like it's been long at all. It's just been, it's, I, I, I close my eyes and I can see, I can see myself as the young 26 year old engineer uh, 30 years ago going, you know, wide eyed and bushy tailed looking for the next new challenge. And, and, <laughs> and uh, now I'm, you know, 56 years old and staring within a couple months of retirement now. So definitely excited, um, a little scared. Um, of course, uh, again, a little bit of insecurities creeping right. in here once in a while, um, but pre been preparing for this for a bit, so definitely looking forward to it. A lot of opportunities are out there. Um, it's true. Probably because I'm so you know I'm so outgoing now that uh, that uh, people are not afraid to come up to me and ask me, yeah, where's your retiring? So easy. Right. To, I'm easy to start a conversation with. So, um, but it's it's I'm really excited for it and and. Uh, really looking forward to the next chapter in my life. Well, good. You know, I'm excited to hear that you're going to still stay on. I always say that exactly what you said, Kevin, you know, when, when you find a, a job that you're passionate about it, you don't have to work a day in your life. But in addition mm -hmm. to that, in this profession that we love so much, um, I would even go as far as saying that we're passionate about, right? Um, it, it, uh, it's hard to leave. It's hard to, even at retirement, it's hard to say, that's it. I, I'm, you know, Throwing in the towel because we don't necessarily yeah. always throw in the towel because we do yeah. what we do so much. So, Kevin, it's yeah. been such a great pleasure to have you this morning to chat and get to know you a little bit more. Um, one of the things that you said early on in the conversation was come out of that shell, network, you know, get to know people, really grow your your village of professionals in our industry that leads to friendships. And as we saw today, Kevin is, you know, one of those awesome building professionals in our industry that has a great wealth of amazing friends that he's created throughout his tenure in this industry. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw myself in there. Um, you are in there, definitely. <laughs> so happy to have met you and know you. And I know that there's still more that needs to get done. So our paths are definitely gonna cross some more. And I hope that we get to see you at ABM if you make it this year. If not, um, I know that we'll see each other real soon. I am very looking for, I'm actually postponed my retirement a, a, a month or so. So I made sure I was able to attend my last uh, 
ABM. Uh, I was on the residential committee, so the public comment hearings will be after the ABM, so I'd like to sit in on that as well um, because I was on the IRC committee. So, yeah, I'm kind of planning that. I'm also on a seismic assessment and retrofit committee that will finish up at the public comment hearings. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, so I've, I've got some commitments I want to see through, and it'll be through the, the annual business meeting in Louisville, correct? That's right. That's yes. right. So we'll be there and we'll get to hang out a little bit more before you yeah. exit uh, the city of Las Vegas, but not necessarily the, the you know, building industry. So it'll be yeah. exciting to see you, Kevin. With oh, that, okay. we're going to wrap up the show. Um, again, you heard it here, folks. You know, keep keep on keeping on with your professional goals. You're going to get there before you know it. And, and before you know it, you know, like Kevin, you start off out in the field, you end up running the show right you never know what what the profession is going to bring to you so keep those goals up keep networking connect reach out to folks like kevin should you have any questions we are always here to help so have an excellent rest of your tuesday run into us if you're at the abm or the code hearings or the or the uh educode come and stop by and say hi keep me <laughs> you know keep me laying out hanging out in the hallway and talking to friends i'm more than happy to to uh to have a chat with you and, and and share stories of the good times and the bad times and all the times in between. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. Absolutely. And to Brad's comment, absolutely. You better believe that uh, it would be more than a pleasure to work with Mr. Kevin. <laughs> thank you. All righty. You take care. Uh, Kevin, again, thank you so much. And we'll chat soon. Thank you, Cece. Have a great day. All right, you too. Bye-bye.